Well, we'd just like to welcome each and every one of you for the second time now to our streaming Wednesday night Bible study. If you were able to join us Sunday morning, um, welcome back. If you were able to share that with somebody, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um, if maybe you took part in our CR service Monday evening, grateful for each and every one of you that jumped on and were able to partake in that. We'd just like to also remind everyone that all of these broadcasts are still available. If you haven't had a chance to watch them or you weren't able uh, to view them at the time that they were streamed for any reason, they're all still available either uh, on Facebook, on YouTube, um, or in also podcast form. Um, You can check those links out on our website as well and we'll just be updating you and kind of refreshing your memory on a regular basis of where you can access all of these things until maybe we get a little bit more used to doing life this way but certainly hopefully uh maybe by just about the time that you're getting the hang of how we're doing this we'll be able to move back um into our wonderful church facilities and worship there collectively Uh, together as a body of believers. But we're grateful to be able to do this collectively, um, even within the confines of our own homes. Um, For we know that each and every one of us are united in spirit um, and united in Christ. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, that's actually what we're going to be talking about, excuse me, a a little bit tonight. If you were here for our live stream Sunday morning, one of the scripture passages that I said maybe kind of um, enlightened me um, to the way in which God can work sometimes when he reveals scripture or he puts certain scriptures on our heart was a passage out of the book of John, chapter 16, verse 13. And these are the words of Jesus here. And Jesus says this regarding the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And it's kind of in that same line of thinking, um, as I brought in that verse Sunday morning, that I thought it may be a neat idea for our Wednesday night Bible study to talk a little bit, maybe more in depth, about who or what the Holy Spirit is. It's something that we mention frequently if you're a new Christian or maybe even someone that's been a Christian for the, for a long time. You may still have some questions or be confused exactly who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit is, and maybe the role in which the Holy Spirit can fulfill in our lives as Christians. So we want to begin maybe our discussion asking who or what is the Holy Spirit? And actually, before I go any further, um, I hope you were, be able, you were able to get an outline for tonight. That'll greatly help you follow along. Um, there's even some space in the margins there where you can jot notes down. Um, If you weren't able to get a copy of that, you can either get it off of our website, I believe, Aaron, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's on our website, or you can check your email, and Kitty should have sent that out to you 
this afternoon for tonight's study. So grab your outline, grab your Bible, and let's dig into God's Word together as we learn more about who this Holy Spirit is within our lives as Christians. You know, the Holy Spirit, I think, when we begin talking about the Holy Spirit, is one of those topics that seems to divide a lot of Christians across denominational lines. Many people are uneasy about the Holy Spirit. Maybe many people are confused about the Holy Spirit. Many people like to argue about the role in which the Holy Spirit plays. In fact, there's probably not a single doctrinal item that can cause as as much controversy amongst the body of believers as to what the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit operates within our lives um, as the church, um, and even maybe more specifically, the life of the Christian believer. In fact, in, in many denominations, in many Christian circles, the Holy Spirit is neglected, um, forgotten, or just plain misunderstood. And maybe it, it can be a combination for us of all three of those things sometimes in our lives. So hopefully this study tonight will maybe clear some of those things up and enable you to operate your life um, and enjoy your Christian walk in maybe a new way that you hadn't before through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, I think a lot of times when it comes to church life, um, oftentimes Christian work is so rigidly programmed that we seem to no longer need or depend on the Holy Spirit. Um, Yet Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And that's one of the things that I really like um, about our denomination, specifically as free Methodists, is that we invite the Holy Spirit into each and every one of our church services that we have. And so we have an outline planned, but oftentimes, um, maybe not visible to you as the congregants, but people that participate in those services sometimes have to adapt on the fly um, because of maybe something that the Spirit has laid on either my heart while I'm preaching um, or Pastor uh, Tim's heart while he's preaching or maybe uh, the worship leader or, or someone that's participating in some way in the service, maybe someone that's praying um, and the Spirit leads them uh, to do something. We like to allow for that within our services. We don't want to become rigid. Um, you know, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And you know, the late Dr. A.W. Tozer, author and pastor, said this regarding the Holy Spirit. It's, it's quite startling, but unfortunately, I think a lot of times it's very true. He says this, and you should have this on your outlines. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had with been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would have stopped 
And everybody would have immediately known the difference. Some have even referred to the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God. I think that a lot of this has to do with the general misconceptions about what the Holy Spirit is and also the role that he plays within the life of the believer. You know, many people can read about God the Father and, you know, understand him okay. And they certainly can understand the person of Jesus, of what, you know, the New Testament is primarily about. But this one called the Holy Spirit, you know, what's that about? Who, who is that? Why is the Holy Spirit necessary? You know, um, isn't Jesus and God the Father enough? Well, in short, no. But first this evening, I want us to I maybe identify and clarify just exactly what the Holy Spirit is. Well, when we talk about what the Holy Spirit is, first of all, the Holy Spirit is not a what, but a who. The Holy Spirit is a person and is a very personal being. He is not merely this impersonal force or feeling um, or even an emanation of the power of God. Right? The Holy Spirit is God. And that's something that's very important for us to grasp. Now, while there is a certain degree of divine mystery to the nature of the Holy Spirit, he is definitely not a bundle of warm feelings or good memories. Um, and he's not a vague, some vague cosmic force either. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he is a person equal in every way with the Father and with the Son. Maybe another way to put that would be all the divine attributes ascribed to the Father and Son are then equally ascribed to the Holy Spirit. And so our worship our prayer, our devotion should be equally ascribed to the Holy Spirit as well. Now we're going to go a bit deeper into who the Holy Spirit is because there's a lot to discuss here. But I just wanted to give you a general understanding about who or what I am talking about. Because I'm sure, you know, as you're watching this, um, you know, many of us are coming from all over the map maybe with our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. I'm sure some of you, this is like a review for you, and maybe some of you are hopefully learning some new things about this one that we refer to as the Holy Spirit. But before we go any further, I'd like to talk about maybe uh, briefly what the Holy Spirit is not. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not a mythical or a mysterious force. Um, it's not something that we must try to harness or try to summon to come to our aid, right? It's not like the force, like we're talking about Star Wars or something like that. That is certainly not what the Holy Spirit is. 
The scriptures teach us that when we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and trust him as our Lord and Savior, that we are then indwelt with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit should then, as a result of that conversion, become an intimate and personal and important, frankly, part of our lives. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is not an esoteric feeling or state of being, right? It's not this hidden um, feeling or, or some state of higher consciousness that, you know, the really good Christians get to enjoy. Um, he's not merely an energy that surrounds us uh, or simply uh, a feeling of spiritual nirvana which I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we can kind of treat the Holy Spirit as such. The Holy Spirit is alive, right? Just as Jesus is alive. And he is one who compels us into a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've heard perhaps of the preemptive work of the Holy Spirit. And that's the process of the Holy Spirit preparing someone's heart to receive Jesus. We also call this prevenient grace, God bestowing his grace upon us even before we are saved, drawing us near to him. So I'd like if you have your Bibles, and if you don't, run and get them real quick. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 14. Now, if you had your Bibles open to John chapter 16 earlier, you might not even have to turn a page. I don't believe I do here in my Bible. John chapter 14 we're going to be reading verses 15 through 31. John chapter 14, 15 through 31. Jesus says these words, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now remember, before we go any further, um, this whole entire discourse in the book of John um, is known as the farewell discourse, where Jesus is beginning the process of preparing the disciples for life after he has been resurrected and ascended into heaven. And so he's teaching them about this Holy Spirit, this one who's going to be a helper, a counselor for them when he is gone. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, the word, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. 
They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So as we said, Jesus here is getting ready to leave the disciples. The time is drawing near where soon he will be crucified, resurrected, and back in heaven with God. But before he does this, though, he promises to send the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And he explains a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is and what his role and his purpose will be in the life of the believers. Jesus tells us, first of all, that he will be a helper and uh, a helper to the disciples and will be a voice of truth to dwell with and in them. So Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is meant to primarily be a helper and one who is a voice of truth then within the believer's life. One who is a constant, if you will, right? A, a true north and helps the believers distinguish between right and wrong. And so without the Holy Spirit and the Word of God then working together in our lives, we can really have a hard time determining right from wrong. You know, society today is one that generally and I think fundamentally rejects the concept of absolute truth and authority, right? That basically means that something is true in all places at all times for all people. That concept is very um, much disputed in society at large today. Um, another way of saying that would be what is right, um, what is determined to be right or wrong, ultimately comes down to what you yourself perceive to be right or wrong. But it's funny kind of when you think about that, there's certain things in our world that you cannot apply that logic to. Um, if you apply some of those same principles to, let's say, building a house, right? It's safe to say the house would not be very structurally sound. Imagine for me with with moment, if each and every person uh, framing the house decided that they wanted to determine for themselves what constituted an inch, Um so an inch would no longer be an inch. Um, rather, it would be up to each individual builder or carpenter to determine for him or herself what an inch is. 
It would be an absolute disaster, right? But nevertheless, this is how many people go through life. And their lives are just as doomed as a house that is built with no standards, right? Because their lives are not built on standards. And certainly not the most important standard, the word of God, right? Our absolute truth, God's word. Jesus knew this. And that is why in our passage today, if you look, he says in verse 16 that he will send us a helper. One that will be that voice of truth, that, uh, you know, that standard of measure in our lives. And we need this voice of truth because, frankly, church, right, when left to our own devices, we are bound to make some pretty bad mistakes. And that's what make that's why the Holy Spirit makes himself available to each and every one of us to dwell within the life of the believer. Conversely, when we look to our own interests instead of the Holy Spirit's gentle guiding in our lives and the truths of scripture as well, we are embarking on a journey that I think is really doomed for failure. And this is why it's so important for us to get to know this one whom Jesus has sent us um, as our helper and as our guide. You know, in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis offers us a description of who the Holy Spirit is and how he interacts with other members of the Trinity. He says this on page 175 of his book, Mere Christianity. What grows out of the joint life of the Father and Son is a real person. This person is, in fact, the third of the three persons who are God. So, we know then that the Holy Spirit, if he is a person, which Scripture certainly tells us he is, that Obviously, um, he has a personality. Um, So the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, although, of course, not a human person, but a divine one, means that just like God the Father and God the Son, again, he has a personality. He has characteristics about him that make him who he is as a deity, which we'll, we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. But some characteristics of the Holy Spirit's personality, or personhood, we should say, maybe. First of all, the Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8.27 says that the Spirit has a mind. So this implies that the Spirit, then, is able to think on his own, and therefore possess some form of intelligence. You know, you have the famous saying by the French philosopher René Descartes, I think... Therefore, I am. The Holy Spirit is not an immaterial force, but rather an intelligent being that has a mind that is able to think and also possess knowledge, right? The Holy Spirit has knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
And so the Holy Spirit possesses knowledge in the mind of Christ in the same way that you and I possess knowledge of ourselves. The Spirit also is able to speak. We see in Acts 8.29 an instance where the Spirit told Philip to go and witness to the unit. So the Spirit is able to speak, although oftentimes the way in which he chooses to speak is not audibly, but rather intuitively. And this is how he guides us throughout our lives. The Spirit also has a will. 1 Corinthians 12.11, we're told that we are given spiritual gifts according to the will of the Spirit. And then let's talk uh, here for a few moments about the deity of the Holy Spirit. The deity of the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit is a person with personal characteristics, he's also God, right? Equal in every way with God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit possesses all divine attributes of God the Father and God the Son. We also see that regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit. When people finally yield their lives to God and decide to follow Jesus, this is the work of the Holy Spirit compelling us to come to Christ. He is the one who prepares our heart to receive this great gift, the greatest gift that we could receive, in fact, the gift of salvation. And then we have the Spirit's work in the life of Jesus, which I think this is a a very important thing um, to cover here because I think it gives us a very remarkable glimpse into just how powerful the Holy Spirit is presence within our lives could be because of the way, um, because of how powerful his presence within the life and ministry of Jesus was. Um, If we think back on the life and ministry of Jesus, it was the Holy Spirit who was present in all the major events of Jesus's earthly ministry. And it was by his power that he was able to do all the miraculous things that he did. We often think of God the Father as being Jesus' source of power while on earth. But this is really simply not the case. God the Father directed the mission of Jesus while on earth, but it was powered and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who brought about the incarnation of Christ. Right? And enabled him to be born of a virgin. Right, Mary is told by the angel Gabriel that the power of the Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon her. And she will conceive and give birth to a son. She says, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. Right, I've not been with any man. And he says, you will uh, be your womb. Right, Is going to be opened and touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. It was also the Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus, descending like a dove at his baptism. It's the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews 9.14 that it was through the Holy Spirit that Christ was able to offer himself without blemish to God as a sacrifice, thus atoning 
for the sins of the world. So his sinless character, his sinless nature, his sinless life then was empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit working within him. Wow, if that doesn't give us maybe some hope of how we will be able at some point in our lives to overcome the power of sin as we're gradually sanctified and as the Holy Spirit takes over more and more of our wills and desires and transforms and turns them into godly desires. Wow, what a day that will be. I'm certainly looking forward to that, I know. Um, And I think maybe one of the even more incredible things um, is, and I think Jeremy Camp has a song about this, an older song, it's called Same Power, a few years old now. Um, But it is the same spirit, right, that was present within the life of the disciples and empowered their ministry, the same uh, spirit that led Jesus to the cross, that enabled him to be victorious, raising him from the dead. Um, that same spirit, that same power lives in us and is available to us um, if you and I will take the time to get to know him. And this is something that we really have to be intentional about. It's not something that just comes necessarily naturally to us. You know, when a person has come to know Christ, he or she is indwelt by the person of the Holy Spirit. And this effect is experiential. You know, many people say frequently, well, I cannot feel God or the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, this could be the case because they're simply um, looking for him and trying to sense him with the wrong emotions. So I just like to talk about in closing um, some ways, a few ways, two to be exact, ways in which we can experience the Holy Spirit. The first way, and maybe one of the most important ways we experience the Holy Spirit, um, not through some warm feeling, not through being overcome with emotion, maybe during a worship service, but one of the most important ways that we experience the Holy Spirit and His power within our lives is through conviction. The Holy Spirit is the one who lets us know when we have sinned or when we have wronged another. He is the one who compels us to seek forgiveness and to make things right with those um, whom we wrong. Um, Very important Um, if we desire to live out Jesus's command to be holy as he is holy, right? Um, Operating within a continual attitude of repentance. Um, And it's the Holy Spirit in our lives that empowers that. We also experience the Holy Spirit through his comfort. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit gives us the peace That passes all understanding, right? Something that we certainly need during these turbulent times. Many of you may have been sent home from your workplace um, either yesterday or um, last week. And you're uncertain. You're worried. You're not sure if you're going to be able to make it, if you're going to recover from this. You're not sure if the country is going to be um, able to recover from this. The Bible tells us that it is the Holy Spirit through his power within our lives that we have peace. And it doesn't even make sense to the world at large because we're told that it passes all understanding. 
right? Uh, the people who do not possess the Spirit of God cannot understand how we as Christians can cope through circumstances and situations. And that's why it's important, church, that during these uncertain times that we're relying on this Holy Spirit, this one who is dwelling within us, to give us the peace that passes all understanding, if for no other reason to be a witness to a world that has anything but peace during these times. You know, these are a few ways that we can experience the Spirit's presence within our lives. Not in a metaphysical way, right? But in a very real and personal one. And the last thing I want to touch on, and then I'll be done, I promise, um, is that I think it's very important. And, you know, I talked about at the beginning about how Teachings and doctrine on the Holy Spirit are one of the most controversial subjects within the church at large. I think it's important that we accept this one truth when it comes to discussions on the Holy Spirit. And that is this, that the Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity, but rather the Holy Spirit is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. He designed our lives to be led and be filled by the Holy Spirit from the beginning of our relationship with him. And although he is in, in us, if we trust in Christ as our Savior, this doesn't necessarily mean that we know him that well. You could live, potentially, uh, with someone in the same house and never talk to them. Never speak to them. Never spend any quality time with them. And just uh, the fact of proximity does not um, equal intimacy. And maybe that can be our saying for tonight. Proximity does not equal intimacy. And that's certainly true when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Just as you could... um, you know, have a casual, maybe a Facebook friend as well that you're technically friends with. You may stalk their page every once in a while, not stalk, just maybe check it out, right? Just because you may do that does not mean you have an intimate relationship with that person. Um, And I think the same is true with a Christian who doesn't avail him or herself to the blessing that comes with living a spirit-filled and spirit-led life. So I hope, church, that during these uncertain times that we find ourselves, um, when we may not know where to turn, when we may feel like we have anything but peace, that maybe this Bible study, this discussion out of John chapter 14 will comfort you, will enable you to understand this amazing and incredible power that we have available to our lives as Christians. But it requires effort on our part. Ways in which we get to know the Holy Spirit is through diving into the word, word, understanding uh, about whom this one who seeks to offer us this peace is praying for an awareness of his presence within our lives. And then um, 
really seeking it out and trying to be conscious of maybe small ways in which the Holy Spirit may speak to us, not in loud and boisterous ways, but maybe just in a whisper. Well, that's all I have for you uh, tonight. And I hope you have enjoyed our time together, maybe as much as I have. I'd like to just close out our time with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every one watching this stream tonight. I pray that you would just be with them. Holy Spirit, that you would fall on each and every one of them in maybe a new and fresh way. Uh, that they would seek to desire an awareness of your presence within their lives, Lord, so that may, they may experience this peace that passes all understanding, that may, they may experience your conviction and desire to live then a holy life as they progress in their journey of sanctification. I pray for any that, uh, again, may be sick, Lord, uh, as a result of this coronavirus or as a result of any other type of sickness, Lord. We know there are certainly plenty of other people suffering uh, with other diseases, not just this, Lord. We pray for those who may be out of work or experiencing financial hardship, God. Um, We pray that you would be with them and that you would sustain them during this time. And Lord, we also pray that as a church, as we are again, as I said on Sundays, we're forced outside of the four walls of the church, that we would just be a light and a comfort and a witness to a very hurting, confused world that is longing for hope, Lord. Help us to give them your hope of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, church. Well, again, it was great to be with you. And uh, looking forward to when we can do it again this Sunday. So I hope you tune in and that you'll share this um, with your friends on your various pages. Take care. Bye-bye.